I uh, originally from Ohio. Uh, you might have read that in a magazine, which is true. You know, a lot of folks make up their names and places and everything. But I am. I'm one of them farm boys. <laughs> and I had an uncle who was a little, little off, little off. Oh yeah, knocked down by Harley one day. And uh, Harley Davidson, oh, I hit him, shook anybody, you know, a kid, wise guy going about 75 miles an hour and threw him into the side of a cement plant. But uh, shook him a little, you know. <laughs> well, my Uncle Willard had this uh, used pet shop. It was uh, for used pets. And um, yeah, there's always something wrong with them, you know. And uh, so a guy came in one day and he said, uh, how much is the doggy in the window? <laughs> that doggy out there in front? That dog run you a dollar. A dollar for a dog? Isn't that a little unusual? No. I don't know whether you noticed or not, he ain't got no claws on his right paw. Serve a conversation piece. <laughs> yes, no, I wouldn't want that. What the devil's that over there? Oh, that's an owl. I can give him for three seventy-five. dollars You wouldn't know it, he ain't got no feathers on his body. I got it down Biloxi and there was a storm come up or something, blew all his feathers off. And uh, I've got purple feathers and chartreuse and what you can do is put a little slick them on his belly and paste them on there, you know, and put him there in the parlor and <laughs> that's a conversation piece like a dog. <laughs> yeah, I see. Oh, listen, incidentally, don't put your finger in that bowl. No, the reason I, oh, took your finger off, didn't it? <laughs> Oh, God, you know, it's a funny thing. We never have to feed that fish nothing. There's always some clown like yourself putting his finger in the bowl. <laughs> Took it right off, didn't he? <laughs> oh, I bet that's smart, don't it? Mm, that's a fun, you. Them things hit anything. Hit anything. <laughs> got him in the Amazon River. I never got it. Some guy dropped it off here one day <laughs> over at the bait shop. Listen, I'll tell you what I can do. Um, I can give you that kangaroo over there for ten and a half. Come all the way from Australia. Most of them do. Uh, I got him as far as Muncie and he fell off a flat car and broke his tail. Now, you know, most of them sit back there on their tails like this. But this one, you gotta lean him again some. <laughs> oh, I don't believe I'd want that. I guess not. Listen, I've got a bull constrictor here. It's pregnant. I can give you that and there's uh, white rats free. You wanna see it? I'll let it out here. Oh, careful! Oh, Lord. Ma, come in here. That snake up and swallowed another
Laying on the sidewalk A little music from the house next door So I walk on up to the doorstep Through the screen and across the floor Down. Are we left behind? Is this the highway? 
of all mankind Axis spins around and round we go Where we're going no one really knows Here we, here we, here we, here we go Feel the fire way down below Get up and clean your teeth and have a shave It's 1am, let's go out to a rave One more in before we hit that grave It's harder than a microwave Wave Come on, Fifty facts a 
masturbation. 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 A lot of people are turned off by masturbation. Jokes, particularly. They don't want to hear about that. Why? Some of the greatest people in the world. Example, Sir Edmund Hillary. Sir Edmund Hillary was the first man to climb Mount Everest. But when Sir Edmund was a precocious 11, his mother came in the room, caught him in the act. She couldn't believe it. She said, Sir Edmund. Why are you doing that? And he said, because it was there. <laughs> the first person I knew to masturbate was Eddie LeCarrie. He used to tell us how he would go home and masturbate while he watched American Bandstand. while Dick Clark was saying, how do you rate this record, Denise? How do you rate this, Denise? You give it a hundred, Denise? Dance to this, Denise? <laughs> Women, in numbers, do not masturbate as much as men. There's a lot of women who do it more than any man, but there's a lot of women who are basically romanticists and they don't feel right unless there's somebody else there. I have an invention for these women. A vibrator that talks. <laughs> Could have a little recording device in there, you know? I love you. Nobody does it like you. <laughs> could have, thank you, could have a special kind, special kind for married women. After it was over, it would fall asleep. You know? <laughs> Single girls, when it was over, would get up, raid the refrigerator and go home. I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> okay, I'll stop talking about uh, masturbation. Get into something else. Nocturnal emissions. <laughs> now see, that might be... That might be a little difficult for some of the ladies here to relate to. But that's a wild feeling, because unlike any sexual experience, you don't really know what's going on. <laughs> See, you're like 12 years old, you wake up in the middle of the night. What the hell was that? <laughs> I gotta remember what I was dreaming about. <laughs> Tell you something else, mothers like nocturnal. Mothers for the first time their sons make their own beds.
Bye bye plastic
Elizabeth, my dearest. I know. Words can't express our feelings for each other. I'll be looking forward to your vacations. And someday... Yes. Someday we'll be man and wife. Hurry, hurry, my son. The train is leaving. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Goodbye Victor. Boy. Goodbye, my dear. On the train, the young Frankenstein met up with his boyhood friend, Henry Clerval, who was on his way to another university beyond Ingolstadt. I wish our destinations were the same, Victor. I do too, Henry. But then I've never excelled at mathematics as you have. <laughs> and I've had no feeling for medicine. But let's never lose contact with each other. Never. I promise. As their friendship was bonded, Neither young man had the slightest suspicion of the terrible events destined for them. One day in the laboratory at the University of Ingolstadt, the seed of dreadful inspiration was innocently planted in Frankenstein's mind by Professor Waldman. Now I will put exactly three drops of the catalyst into the acid. One. Two. Ready, Frankenstein? Yes, Professor. And the final drop. Three. 
Observe the reaction of the capitalist. My dear Frankenstein, you are seeing one of the basic elements of life itself. It's astounding. It's promising at any rate. Perhaps next year, perhaps a hundred years from now, man will have discovered some other elements which create life. And then, then he will be able to manufacture creatures in his own image which will do whatever he demands of them. That night, Victor Frankenstein made the first entry into what was to become the account of a man by his own creation. As Professor Waldman spoke, I felt as if my soul were grappling with a palpable enemy. Now, my mind is filled with one thought, one conception, one purpose. So much has been done, but more, far more, will I achieve. I shall go beyond these experiments. I will explore unknown powers and unfold the deepest mysteries of creation. Thus, Frankenstein decided his own horrible destiny. And as the months passed, his studies brought him closer to his ghastly discovery. One of the phenomena which peculiarly attracts me is the structure of the human frame, and indeed anything imbued with life itself. But to examine the causes of life, I must first have recourse to death. I must observe the natural decay and corruption of the human body. あの人に話さなければなりません。あの人に話さなければなりません。早く家へ帰ってこなければなりません。本当だということを認めなければなりません。欲しいです。行きたくありません。アイスクリームが欲しいです。アイスクリームが食べたいです。この映画は見たいですかアイスクリームが食べたいです。この映画は見たいですかアイスクリームが食べたいですこの映画は見たいですか第33課 ちょっとお尋ねいたしますが、この町の名前は何と言いますか？東京までどのくらいありますか？ここ
ここから東京まで何キロありますかここから10キロですここから20キロですここから東京までどう行きますかこの道をおいでなさいこの番地へどう行くのか教えてくださいここへどう行くのか教えてくださいこの通りの名前は何と言いますか銀座通りはどこですかここから遠いですかここから近いですか右へ山頂です
flap like plastic. UniRadio.fm
pediste Chile verde te daré Vámonos para la huerta Y allá te lo cortaré Ninguno me puede ver Diles que no va a dar la agua Y al cabo lo han de beber Como hermanitos, al uno le pone cuerno y al otro los pitoncitos. La mula que yo monté. La monto y mi compadre, eso a mí no me importa, pues yo la monte primero. La noche que me casé. Dormirme un rato por estar toda la hora. Ándale, suba, suba, suba. Noche corriendo detrás de un gato. El que entró por tu balcón Yo no he visto gato prieto Con sombrero y pantalón Nicolás Fernández de Moratín 1737 to 1780, was a poet and dramatist. The epigram given here is a humorous commentary on the difficulty of learning a foreign language. Epigram. A Portuguese was astonished to see that in their tender childhood, all the young children of France could speak French. It's black magic, he said, twisting his mustache. For in order to speak French, a gentleman in Portugal reaches old age and speaks it badly. And here, a child speaks it fluently. Epigrama. Admirose un portugués de ver que en su tierna infancia, todos los niños de Francia supiesen hablar francés. Arte diabólica es, dijo torciendo el mostacho, 
Pues para hablar en gabacho, un hidalgo en Portugal llega a viejo y lo habla mal. Y aquí lo parla un muchacho. Tomás de Iriarte, 1750-1791, wrote 76 fábulas literarias, literary fables, which contain advice for and criticism of his fellow authors. The Ass and the Flute is one of his most popular poems. The Ass and the Flute. This little fable heard, it good or ill may be, but it has just occurred thus accidentally. Passing my abode, some fields adjoining me, a big ass on his road came accidentally and laid upon the spot a flute he chanced to see. A shepherd had forgot there accidentally. The animal, in front to scan it nigh came he, and snuffing loud as won't blew accidentally. The air it chanced around the pipe went passing free, and thus the flute a sound gave accidentally. Oh then, exclaimed the ass, I know to play it fine. And who forbade shall class this music asinine? Without the rules of art, even asses, we agree, may once succeed in part, thus, accidentally.
When I was a kid, I used to go to a lot of movies. And I still do, and I'm still a kid. Proved that in more ways than one. But I enjoy it. I'm in my own little world, man. <laughs> At any rate, uh, I thought I'd give you, you know, everybody loves Robin Hood. My wife digs Richard Green, and he is a good-looking cat, you know. Mm, yeah, wavy hair, comes on pretty strong. And um, especially, you know, on the opening, he shoots right straight with that commercial, you know. And uh, in the opening scene, they're all around a fireplace. And one thing about these cats, man, they all swing pretty good. Uh, they've got a lot of chops, you know, and a half a roast beef there, and a head of a pheasant. And they're like, <laughs> And they're all jumping around. Little John's there. He's kind of a weird cat. He's sawed off. He's about that high. Hi, Robert. Oh, yeah, a little mixed up. But the guys dig him, you know. And, uh, you know, there's Friar Tuck knocking Presbyterians in the water. And, uh, well, Anglicans, whatever they were, I don't know, you know. And um, so they're just sort of sitting around. There's Maid Marion and uh, beautiful chick, but nobody seems to be, you know, nothing going on there. She just sort of... Hi, Robin. Mm -hmm. Too much, too. Well put together, and but she just sort of in and out of camp. You know, it's kind of a weird scene. I don't know what's going on. Well, they all sing around the table. You know, Robin's a friend, Robin's a friend, Robin's a friend, and they throw the roast beef up in the air. You, you know, you've seen them. Heavy goblets and going at the juice hard because they're poor. You know, anybody's poor juices it, and um, it bugs them. You know, so. Uh, Suddenly through the forest, uh, they hear the sound of horns, you know. Dun, 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 dun. It's the king's men, a group of horny men. Well, I hope I didn't, uh, you know. Oh, let's face it, friends. You know, when you're working for the government, you get horny. And, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, they come through and they've got sort of these sheet metal things on it. Sort of a riding sheet metal shop is what it is. And they're riding along, you know. And uh, suddenly these cats swing out of the trees and their little arrows bouncing off the sheet metal and they stab a couple of ah, get off me and uh, somebody invented gunpowder and uh, but they didn't get it so then little John they meet after they get all these guys on the ground and little John comes over to Robin and he says Robin Robin Princess Mary Louise always is over in the castle and he's uh, crazy so um, they throw all the beef into the fireplace and you know, stomp it out because Smokey the Bear doesn't dig fires. And they jump on this horse, and, and it's a borrowed horse. And uh, Robin's on there with about six other guys, so you can imagine how the horse is, you know, kind of bent down and skids in there. So Robin looks up, and he sees Princess Mary Louise Louise in this great castle, man. It's too much. Great big thing. It's paper mache, but the kids don't know that. You know, they're eating their Clark bars there, you know. Oh, boy, that. <laughs> and I'm way in the back row, and I'm waiting for the princess to come out. <laughs> and uh, she does. She comes out in sort of this dirty gray muslin dress, you know. And sneakers kind of turned inboard. And uh, Robin's been in the forest a little long, though, and he checks her over a big bed. And not too much, you know, long braids, sort of a naughty kid. And not too much upstairs, but from here on down, gangbusters. And uh, he's got a little rope, and he, mm, you know, he's in a rehabilitation back in camp. So uh, scurries up there, and they kiss and hold on real good. <laughs> a lot of it has to be cut for the kids because they get bored, you know. But the adults, they get, mm. <laughs> and um, 
she goes in and sits in her little powder room there and makes up and everything and they talk and Robin says uh, that he's been in the forest and everything and she knows that and uh, <laughs> suddenly through a heavy door, oh it's about that thick, give or take a couple of inches, it swings open and in comes the Black Knight who is a bad cat. He's all, you know, iron, bent plumes and everything. He says, you're Robin of Sherwood. And everybody, you know, boo. No, they don't dig him. And uh, I see I've been waiting for you. He whips out this little sword, which isn't too good. You know, he made it himself. And, but it's got phony little jelly beans in it for jewels, you know. And they go at it and out on the terrace and jumping over things, you know, and statues and everything. He misses him a couple of times, but finally he gets the Black Knight in a vulnerable spot. <laughs> we don't have to telegraph where it would be, but, oh yeah, sort of a can opener effect. And, and he falls into this dry moat, which is just full of dead catfish and everything, you know, slimy turtles and everything, you know, frogs and that jazz. And, so Robin says, good luck to you, that'll teach you, Daddy. <laughs> See, it's sort of a hip version of Robin. And uh, so by this time, her dad comes in, who looks like H.B. Warner after a tornado, you know, a bright wig and a little tiny crown, which is fake. And he's got these flowing robes, the ermine tails, live ermines, too, keeps him moving, you know. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my son, thank you. He's, part. he's only getting 87.50 for the whole thing. And uh, Robin kisses his hand, because that's what they did in those days, you know, both hands sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, she says, oh, I'm so thankful they kiss again. And, uh, it's a bad scene. And um, then Robin steps back, you know, because he recognizes authority when he sees it. Pulls out the sword again. <laughs> to your liege, the rightful heir to the throne. Le haile mulla, le haile mulle, 
and I'll get a pole, honey. You get a line, I'll get a pole, baby. You get a line and I'll get a pole and we'll go down to that crawdad hole, honey. Mmm, baby mine. Well, here comes a man with a pack on his back, honey. Here comes a man with a pack on his back, baby. Here comes a man with a pack on his back. He's got those crawdads in his sack, honey. Mmm, baby mine. Well, what you gonna do when the well runs dry, honey? What you gonna do when the well runs dry, baby? What you gonna do when the well runs dry? We'll watch those crawdads lay around and die, honey. Mmm, baby mine. Well, look at that crawdad strutting around, honey. Look at that crawdad strutting around, baby. Look at that crawdad strutting around. Well, he's the mayor of Crawdad Town, honey. Mmm, baby mine. Well, you get a line, I'll get a pole, honey. You get a line, I'll get a pole, baby. You get a line and I'll get a pole and we'll go down to that crawdad hole, honey. Mmm, baby mine.
À Montmartre ou en Amérique, il y aura toujours des amoureux, mais un moulin aussi pratique, il n'y en a sûrement pas deux. Il mouille, il mouille les chansonnettes et tourne de jolis refrains. Notre moulin de la galette, chaque matin, c'est un vieux moulin qui tourne à Montmartre. C'est un moulin vieux comme un bric à braque. C'est un vieux moulin, un vieux diable à quatre. Berce la ville de son guet tic-tac Le dieu Cupidon souffle sur ses ailes Et chaque printemps quelques hirondelles Volent tout autour dans un bruit d'amour C'est un vieux moulin qui tourne sans fin À Montmartre, on est loin d'être bête, on se méfie de manquer de pain Et le moulin de la galette est tout prêt à moudre son grain Mais c'est l'esprit seul qui pétit et tourne la roue du moulin Qui reçoit les bonnes et les filles chaque matin C'est un vieux moulin qui tourne à Montmartre C'est un moulin vieux comme un bric à braque C'est un vieux moulin, un vieux diable à quatre Berce la ville de son guet tic-tac Le dieu Cupidon souffle sur ses ailes Et chaque printemps quelques hirondelles Volent tout autour dans un bruit d'amour C'est un vieux moulin qui tourne sans fin of heaven of those who mourn for they shall be comforted of the meek for they shall inherit the earth Hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. There's no data on it. 
Amashir, how strongly I feel the approach of spring. My heart beats as though I were expecting someone. There's a constant buzzing in my ears so that I often stand for some time with my foot in the air listening at doors. And confidentially, I have a number of suitors. I often sit at the window and watch them. If only you could see some of them, they're so ugly. One is a horrible mongrel with stupidity written all over his face. He swaggers along the street and imagine he's a distinguished person and that everybody is admiring him. Don't you believe it? I take no notice of him and behave as if I didn't see him, and you should see the terrifying Great Dane that stops by my window. If he were to stand on his hind legs, which I expect the Claude incapable of doing, he would be a head taller than my Sophie's papa, who was quite tall and fat as well. <laughs> Also, the lump seems to be terribly arrogant. I growled at him, but much he cared. He put out his tongue, dangled his huge ears, and stared at the window, the oak. But can you suppose, ma chère, that my heart is indifferent to all the hopefuls? Oh, no. If only you could see one of my suitors jumping over the fence next door. His name is Treasure. Ah, ma chère, what a... Ah, fool! Devil! Rubbish! How much of a lettuce is she going to fill with such foolishness? I'm after people, not dogs. I want spiritual sustenance, and instead I have these inanities. Let's turn over a page and see whether it gets better. Sophie was sitting at the table sewing something. I was looking out the window because I am fond of watching passers-by, when suddenly the footman came in and announced someone. Show him in, cried Sophie, and rushed to embrace me. Oh, Maggie, Maggie, if only you knew who that is. A dark young man, a guard's officer, and his eyes are black with fire. And she ran off to her room. A minute later, a young officer with black side whiskers came in, walked to the mirror, smoothed his hair, then looked about the room. I growled and sat in my place. Sophie soon came in and greeted him gaily as I pretended to be busy looking out the window. However, I bent my head a little on one side and tried to hear what they were saying. Ah, my share the silliness of their conversation. They spoke about a lady who had mistaken one dance movement for another. Then about someone called Babav, who looked like a stork and almost fell over. Then about one called Ladinia, who thought she had blue eyes when they were really green, and so on and so on. Well, I thought, if you were to compare that young officer with my treasure, heavens, what a difference. To start with, the officer has a flat face, quite bald, except for his side whiskers, as though he had tied it up in a black handkerchief. Whereas Treasure's face is fine and delicate with a sweet white patch on the forehead. It's impossible to compare the officer's figure with Treasure's, and his eyes, his ways, his manners are all quite different. Oh, what a difference. I wonder what she finds in her officer. What on earth can she admire in him? Hmm. Yes. Here I tend to agree. <laughs> there's, there's something wrong. To um, I'd like to um, just leave you with one of the strongest fears I have in life <laughs> is that when it's all over for me, wherever I go. It's going to be a long line waiting to get in. And I'm going to look at the fellow in front of me, and I'm going to say, how long do you think we're going to have to wait here? And he's going to turn around and say, I'll be a hallway to Mellow Rock.
my name is Sally. Nobody ever asked me to go anywhere. What's wrong with me? Sally, you've got E E O. I've got what? Something wrong with my breath, right? No. It's my underarms. I knew it. No. Now wait a minute. No. Listen to this nice man. Hi, Sally. I'm nine out of ten doctors. <laughs> Sally, back here we have a diagram of your inner ear. Now, doing a hard day of active listening, <laughs> tiny particles accumulate in the hills and the credenzas of your inner ear. Tiny particles accumulate in the hills and the credenzas of your inner ear. Now, doing a hard day of active listening, Tiny particles accumulate in the hills. This can cause audiosis or EEO.
she's hypnotized now. I'm going to talk to her. How old are you? Twelve. What's your name? Regan. I'm addressing myself to the person who's inside of Regan. You are also hypnotized, and when I ask you to speak, you must identify yourself. Who are you? This is Howard Cosell in possession of a small child. Are you in control of Regan? I certainly am. Look at her. She's wearing Fruit of the Loom underwear. Are you in there alone? No, Don Meredith and Frank Gifford are in here with me. They send for an exorcist. The exorcist arrives. The two of them face each other. They're ancient enemies. A fine day for an exorcism, isn't it, Muhammad Ali? Come on out of there, Cosell. You don't belong in there, old, dumb, stupid hat. Cosell, going where don't belong. Come on, I'll do the rope-a-dope. I'll do the Russian tank. Get you out of there, Cosell. There's a spray and deodorant for every part of the body, almost. How far are they going to go with this? Who knows? This might be the next commercial you see. Hi, my name is Sally. Nobody ever asked me.